0: This episode is brought to you by America's Rehab Campus. Get on the road to recovery with the best rehab in beautiful Arizona. Dial 1-833-272-7342. That's 1-833-ARC-REHAB. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now tuned in to to The Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the RCast. My name is Buddha. I'm Vance. And I'm Michaela. Yes, I hope everyone is doing great out there. It's a beautiful, beautiful day today. Ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to introduce to you to my friend. And I really want to get this introduction taken care of quickly because we have a lot to talk about. I'm very grateful that he's here in the studio with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to I want you to please put your hands together. Give a standing ovation for this one. This is my good friend. He is our lead BHT here at America's Rehab Campus. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for our friend, Mr. Kevin. What is All up? Right. What's right. going on, Kevin? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Good morning you. brother. I feel amazing and blessed to be here right now. Hey man, This it's the feeling is 100% mutual. Dude. Yeah, we're blessed to have you here man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you all very much. Yeah thank man, you. God is good and you know, it's just, we're all faithful here so I know, I already know this conversation is going to be good man. Mm-hmm. So Amen. how was the ride up here today? The ride
1: was beautiful, just finished having some nice Starbucks with the wife and my in law and everything is good.
0: That's cool, man. That's awesome. So as you know, know, this podcast, we are at episode 30. This is episode 35 already, believe it or not. So it's been cool. We've had a lot of people coming in here and sharing their testimonies. I really wanted to get your perspective here. Um, you know, I know a lot about your background. I know a lot just because you and I have had the opportunity or the blessing, I should say, to be able to work together for a long time. And I, I know that your perspective is a very different and a unique one. So once again, you know, just thank you for being here. How long have you been with America's Rehab Campus now?
1: Yeah, this past Thanksgiving was my four year anniversary. Dang, awesome, four in, years. But, Yep. Thanksgiving 2018, I started here.
0: That Man, was, that, that was goes amazing. by so quick. Yes. That goes by, so, and I know you initially started here as a security officer, right? That's correct. We wore green shirts, not blue shirts. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. All right, so. Hop into that real quick about the
2: security officer, and, and how'd you get that skill?
1: Yeah. So, uh, well, I basically, that's kind of been my route of employment since high school. I, After high school, I quick, went into the United States Air Force.
0: Oh, you did? Oh, man. Yeah.
1: And Tell I, us about so that. In the Air Force, I became a security police officer. All right. And for the, the next ten years of my life, that's what I had done, and I was hoping to make a career out of the military. Uh-huh. Twenty-year career. Over the years, things had changed in the in the military lifestyle, and um, I enjoyed my job. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the camaraderie of of all the my friends and colleagues in the military um, of all different types of uh, uh, jobs. And I grew up a military uh, brat, as we used to call us. So I was really accustomed to the yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am, black and white types of lifestyles and walks of life. Wow. So that part of it for me wasn't that hard to adjust to. Um, and I really kind of just, I dove into it and I in, embraced it. Uh, had a good 10-year run. And then in 1994, this is kind of off the subject, but the Cold War basically ended with uh, with Russia. And so they started downsizing uh, throughout all the branches of military. And I decided to take an early out with a, a lump sum payment uh, okay. by the United States government. And then in 1994, here in Tucson, Davis Mountain, is when I, I discharged from the United States Air Force.
2: Wow. Well, wow. I just want to say thank you so much, man, for your service mm-hmm. with our yes, country. Sir. Because I tell yeah. you what, if it wasn't for you guys, this nation would not be free.
1: You know, I've got so And thank you so much. I, I have so many good friends and uh, colleagues and that are currently still in the military and, and have been in the military. And, and it's just my military family as well, sister, brother, my my dad, my stepdad, all military, so yeah.
0: Oh, good. Wow. So you said military, Brad? You were raised in the military. Was your mom and your dad both in the military?
1: My dad was Army uh, in Vietnam era. He was killed in '69 in Vietnam when I was three. So I never, I never knew my biological father. Wow. Right? wow. Okay. But what year kids, was that? What year was that? 1969. Really? Yeah, February of '69. We were overseas. My mom with eight kids. <laughs> wow. Eight of us. Uh I would think I was well I was three years old when my dad was killed, and my mom flew my dad this is this sounds kind of weird, but my t- dad in the casket and eight kids back from Germany here in the United States to Texas, which is where I was basically raised and uh wow, and all that so wow.
2: well, watch this, so my father actually got stationed down here in Fort Huachuca, Arizona, and he was part of the Army, too, and he was going to go to Vietnam. But he ended up getting this young lady, 15-year-old, pregnant. Guess who was in her belly? So he didn't have to go. So that's the only reason why he lived. Wow.
1: <laughs> wow. Man, that's crazy. Uh, you know, yeah, I know. I've listened to your story, Mr. Vance, and it, it's, it, it's awesome. Uh, that's another, you know, I mean, that's your story is, like, all over the place oh, yeah. with good and bad. Yeah. But you're uh, going to see
0: your dad in heaven one day, man. Amen,
1: mm-hmm. amen, yes.
0: Yeah. Man, that's crazy. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons, too, like when we're in here, for the people that are listening that aren't in the studio with us, I always try and put like little screensavers up for, you know, kind of make people feel comfortable. And today we've got two pictures of beaches because I know my buddy Kevin, when, it, when I think of surfing, when I think of water uh-huh. and tropical islands, I think of my brother Kevin right here, always at the water. That's a beautiful thing to be looking at right now. <laughs> Especially in, in uh, January where it's freezing cold outside. <laughs> got to try and make it a reality man.
1: You know, real quick on that, if I can touch on it, my wife and I, in this past May, we went to Bora Bora Uh for our honeymoon. Oh my God. I'm telling you, unbelievable. Unbelievable.
0: Yeah, no, for real. I mean, if you have any any couple of pictures um, of the scenery that you'd like to share, we could put them up so people can check them out. Yeah, but I mean, those pictures were beautiful. Really, mm. water crystal clear. Woo, God's creations, man.
3: Yep.
0: <laughs> Amen. So, so that's cool. So you uh, you were in the military for ten years as a security police officer, right? That is correct. And then uh, when you when you left the air force, what did you do after that?
1: Yeah, when I left the air force, I did I did a few different things. I mean, I was all oh. over over the place, you know, selling furniture, washing cars, working, uh, you know, and just, I went to the Arizona Boys Ranch, which used to be a, a juvenile campus up in the town of Oracle. Okay. Up the road about so many miles. Worked there before I started working in the state prison. Oh, okay. But, so I did a bunch of different things for a, a span of time. And then I fell into the, like I said, the Arizona Boys Ranch. It was a boot camp basically for juvenile young men uh, from all all over the country yeah that were having trouble with the courts with the laws that were not at a place in their lives or ages according to the judges to be sentenced right mm. so it was like a it was a hopeful it was a hoping place for these young men to get a better look at life yeah. and better mm-hmm. opportunity yeah maybe throw some education in there and that kind of stuff we were I was up there for like a year we unfortunately we had an incident happen up there that I'd prefer not to talk about, uh, to a young man. And they basically put the kibosh on the company, per se. Mm. Wow. And, and, and they had to shut the camp down. But it was a, it was a good place for the young men because we were, they were really buying into the program of they're learning, they're getting their education. Yeah. Their physical fitness was huge. We have uh, up in Queen Creek, I keep looking at Mr. Vance next to me, but up in Queen Creek, they had a college-style weight room. They were big oh, really? on their football. They, were, yeah. they played Class 3A football against teams up there in the Phoenix area. Mm-hmm. They were out of, it was out of uh, Queen Creek, is where the main campus was. Wow, with this boys' ranch. but yeah, it was a, it was a very enlightening. I wasn't quite in my place yet. Yeah, in my mindset, you know, I was still very, very, very black and white, yeah, which is kind of what they wanted at that location because it was more of a boot camp. Mm. It Mm. was a boot camp. There was no talking. There was no nothing unless you raise your hand. It was was pretty intense. Mm -hmm. But it was very nice for the young men to see and be kids, right? Because we gave them a lot of opportunities to enjoy life and be kids and have fun, play games, Mm -hmm. sports and activities like that. So it was a very... For me, it was a, it was a it was a stepping stone to progressing to where I am now.
0: That's awesome. So you said that was in Oracle, Arizona. What made you come this way more west from Texas?
1: Well, I was I got stationed in at Davis-Monthan.
0: Oh, okay, that's and, right. and
1: that's what brought me out to Tucson, Arizona. Mm. Okay, um, and then I ended up staying out here for you know personal reasons. I ended up getting married, and my daughter is here, born and raised in Tucson. Okay. She's up at ASU now, go Sun Devils.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was a Sun Devil,
2: yeah. Really? It's all right. Mm-hmm. Wow, when I was in college, they called them the Scum Devils, yeah. Yeah, I've heard, I still hear that. That's because they cool. called us the Mild Cats. <laughs> the Mild that's, Cats, I went
4: well, to ASU and I didn't hear that. No. no. That's weird. I mean, I lived in a bubble in college, so.
2: <laughs> it's funny. I wanted to go to ASU, but my high school coach wouldn't let me go there.
1: Well, he's <laughs> a smart coach, I guess, but yeah. my my stepson, he's a wildcat. Is he really? Yeah, freshman, yeah. Awesome, man. So, yeah, I got I go it on both ends. I look
4: forward to meeting you. got a house him. divided. Yeah. No division there. <laughs> no division. <laughs>
0: no division. Oh, yeah. No, that's, good. Bear down, bear down. Not just <laughs> Well, so. that's cool man okay so you worked at this ranch for a while and then um real quick just kind of dabbling back into your childhood did you ever have any experiences like with addiction growing up with anybody that you ever knew
1: this is where it's gonna for those that are listening to this it's probably gonna get maybe like boring or sense in a sense because the answer to that question is really no
2: wow
1: right i grew up in the 70s as a young boy in san antonio texas and uh i i I like to say I had a Brady Bunch family, right? Okay. Uh, was there drugs available? Yes, I was offered drugs in high school. I always said no. Yeah. Was there drinking? Yes, there was drinking in my house. My my stepdad and my mother would always throw, they would have several parties on the weekends with their military family, for, you know, couples. Yeah. Um, I never really knew anything about that as a young boy growing up, like what that all involved, what it meant, what it is. Yeah. Right. We would just wake up, there'd be like beer cans all over the house and stuff like that. <laughs> right. Uh but there's so many of us kids in the house, we didn't have time to worry about that. Yeah. Mom would clean it all up, the house would be all normal again. I don't even recall like a couple of my sisters smoked cigarettes. Yeah. Right in high school maybe. It really wasn't until I got into the mil went into the military that I divulged into my into alcohol or okay. any
0: type of lifestyle like that. All right. And and it's definitely not boring. There is a reason why we brought you here and for the listeners that are out there, mm-hmm. just stay with us. Trust me, we're we're we got we got an amazing story here. So, I'm I'm very uh I'm I'm looking forward to it. But all right, so like you said, you know, um growing up, you didn't have you didn't really see addiction too much in your family. Did you have any misconceptions about people that were addicts at the time?
1: Yeah, I, I had misconceptions to be honest with you for those who are listening up until I Even up to when I started working here, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, Again, growing up in a with a black and white type of mindset due to my occupation choices, Mm -hmm. right and wrong. There's no gray, right? Mm -hmm. So if I, if somebody who was tattooed, for example, right, yeah, Um, and then of course drug and alcohol addictions, um, I, I, it's just how how hard is it to put the bottle down, right? Yeah. How hard is it to put a peel down or whatever it is they, the pipe or whatever it is? Right, I don't even know the proper lingo. How hard is it? Just turn the switch off. That's my mind. That was my mindset four years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but you can just come in here to a program like this if you want the help. Okay, turn it off. Say no. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I didn't know have a clue that it goes way beyond just setting something on a table and walking away from it.
0: Absolutely. You mm-hmm. know
1: that the, the deep. Inner traumas, the deep, who knows what's right? Uh, An individual demons, right? Yeah. I think we all have demons to an extent. I mean, you know, we don't want to talk about that, but yeah, mm-hmm. we've all probably walked.
2: We know we walked through the fires, right? Real yeah. quick, what he said was biblical, guys, because yeah. you know what the Bible says. It says the war actually is against the yes. principalities, oh, yeah, principalities in the spirits, amen. Uh-huh. So that's mm-hmm. actually the war in like Man, now said the yeah. demons light yeah. in the dark. Guess, guess who, guess who controls this world? that's yeah, that's right. Yes, that's
1: yeah. I think
4: that's a common misconception with addiction, and I think that. You know, I kind of got introduced to it a little bit before I started working here. When I was working at my church, when we started to celebrate recovery, and you know, my pastor, as me being an employee, was like, "We need you to attend." And I'm like, "I'm not. I don't have an addiction." And he's like, "We all have addictions. Right. We mm-hmm. all have hurts, habits, or hangups that lead us to something that we're filling the void with something that's not positive for us." Write and that it was, down. it hurts was just like, yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's just. Something that we don't, like, we, and you think like, oh, well, you just, it's just no big deal. And he's like, I bet you I could nail down what your, like, vices was. And, you know, he was someone that is still very close to me in my life. So he could talk to me like that and be like, I know what your vice is. And he's like, you go shopping when you get stressed out. He's like, <laughs> pay attention. When you're sad or when somebody hurts your feelings, what do you do? And, like, I started paying attention to it. And you think I could just stop shopping. But, like, that's, not as easy, either, and then you turn it into something that alters your the chemical makeup in your brain, and it's way harder than, yeah,
1: you know you down. you look at well, why why is it that I'm going to spend money right right what am I running from right? Mm-hmm. yeah, what's chasing me that direction? What's making me want to do that? Um, it's not at oh, all, well, you just want to go buy a new a uh, new outfit, you just want to buy some new shoes, whatever it is. No, there's, there's like, obviously there's something that's pushing better. you.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to make myself feel better. And that's the same thing that happens when somebody's tr- turning to a substance. Mm-hmm. And it's not as easy to just let it go as someone that hasn't struggled at that type of addiction thing. Yep. And so until your eyes are open to that, it's hard to yeah, know. I,
1: you know, to go back on, to piggyback on your question, Buddha, it's like, and I don't, this is probably going to come off wrong on some people. But that's why we're here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Educate. For myself to get educated, yes, sir. Uh, to learn and grow is, man, I used to think people were that were had issues with alcohol and drugs, little to know that maybe I did later on in my life, we'll talk about that later, but mm-hmm. that there's just no good, right? Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's a horrible thing to feel now, looking back.
0: Yeah. Right? Totally. Because
1: that goes against our principles, right? Mm. Right. We're not yeah. supposed to look down at people. Right. right? We're mm-hmm. Even across the, uh, the playing field, right? Absolutely. But yeah.
0: You know, and and it, and it's interesting too. I mean, even even without you know your father growing up, like you said, you had a lot of siblings. I'm sure were there other men in your life that you had to look up to, like as a male influence that oh, yeah. helped you and stirred you in the right direction.
1: Man, I I was raised by the greatest stepdad on the planet. Man, that's awesome. Shout my, out to him. My dad was killed in '69. My mom remarried my stepdad in 1972. Mm-hmm. He married a, mo- a mom with eight kids. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was retired Air Force, wow, and so that that military bearing kept going on in my childhood, yeah right? mm-hmm. so it, was, it never ended um, but it wasn't like one of those movies where you'd see the
4: rah, 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 rah,
1: the strict like, make your four corner beds, you know the hospital, <laughs> hospital corners <laughs> and all that, put your, your shoes in a, line. a quarter off yeah, yeah. Like, that's not how it was, yeah. it's just we were taught yes, no, we weren't allowed to call until we were eighteen. We were not allowed to call an adult by their first name, we had to call mr.. Z- Mr. Jones, Mrs. Jones, what have you?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had
1: to answer a phone a certain way. Right? If you if we had the phone ring, it's before cell phones, we, we we had we had to answer the phone a certain way and it was a, quite a lengthy hello.
0: Was right? it was it one of those
1: It was one of those Yeah, <laughs> the those rotary dial- phone. Yeah, man, yeah. yeah. It wasn't where the operator had to
0: plug in the wall thing like oh, know, yeah. like yeah. Andy Andy Griffith. Oh, by the way, I forgot to do this for you Kevin. This is this is just for you right here. Look at it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I got that for you, man. All right. So, I mean, I think that's very cool what you're saying because it really, regardless of your circumstances, right? I mean, having these types of disciplines is, it's like any other muscle, man. You have to learn and it has to be something that's taught. And unfortunately, especially nowadays, it seems like more children than not are being, you know, they're being raised without having father figures or without having a mother in their life, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think it's it's beautiful that, you know, even talking about your stepdad, that he was able to be a man in your life, coming with a mother with eight kids. It's definitely not easy, but, you know, sometimes we just got to do what we got to do. And he did what he needed to do, you know, Amen. and that's that's awesome that you had that growing up. So, you know, with that, you know, being raised that way after you came back, after the boys ranch and all of these things that you experienced, I know you said that you started working as a corrections officer, correct? Right. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And uh, you were here in Arizona, too? Yeah, I worked for the state of Arizona. You worked for the state of for Arizona. For almost 10 years. 10 years. Wow. Hmm. Wow. And, and you know, I'm I'm very curious to know because we've had people coming in here that have worked as a corrections officer and we've had people that have been inmates. Right. And what the corrections officers have said that have been in here is they say that it's very hard to be in that type of an environment because you see the devil everywhere. I mean, with a lot of the negative thought process, the people that you're around, it's really hard to not bring in some of that, you know, trying to, to be a positive light, but you're kind of like an officer. It's different than being a BHT, right? And then we've, I've also heard from people that have gone to prison that there's Jesus everywhere in there because when you're at rock bottom, there's, never, there's really no other direction to go than going up. What is your perspective on that?
1: Yeah, it's 100. Both, both outlooks are correct, right? So you can't have good without evil, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Otherwise, you have nothing to compare good to. And you have nothing to compare evil to. Right. So you have to have both. Yeah. So my perspective, when I was working in the state prison system, I saw both clearly. Uh, I had a lot of great conversations with guys over scripture. I had a lot of great conversations over men with men, just over life. Right. There, it wasn't all like in the movies, uh, hardcore. This, 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 this. In fact, I found it very, very. Far and few in between that those incidents actually occurred. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they did occur, it happened like it blew up real quick, right, but most of the times, it was pretty in a sense peaceful. These guys unfortunately, could not cohabitate with in the community, so they were sentenced to whatever length of time they had. yeah um, and it was our job as a corrections officer to I, I took my job way to I pushed the limits. It says, I went down. I could, This is why I'm not there any, any longer is because for me, I, I stressed myself out so much trying to get men to, to change,
3: mm-hmm.
1: thinking that they could change and that they would understand what I'm trying to tell them and understand that they're, and, and, and like just explain that these are the rules, these are the rules, this is a the policy, these are the procedures in place. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I would stress myself out. I felt like I was going to stroke out on, on the yard, like literally physically stroke out uh, and I didn't want to die in prison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, But to answer your question, I saw it both ways. There was good and, and bad, even with the officers too. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. There was bad attitudes. There was mean attitudes uh, towards inmates, right? There was mean and good attitudes from the inmates towards the officers. We're just all a bunch of men. Uh, There's women there as well. I mean, officers, but... We're all just trying to figure this out together. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And for the most part, we would work, be able to work together and get it done. Right. But then there were those other moments when it just was very chaotic. Yeah. And it was just very stressful and angry. Uh, those moments weren't very pleasant, but it, I don't, I never saw it erupt like you would see in a movie, right? Yep. Things are burning. But, uh, uh, but yeah, it was definitely a proving grounds for me and I failed. Yeah. I failed miserably while I was working there. I took it too hard. I took my job way too serious.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So like when, you know, working there, like you said, you I don't know if if you necessarily meant, you know, taking your job way too seriously or if it was just having your heart put into it where you felt like you were kind of reaching, you know, extending that olive branch and you weren't getting that in return? Is that what you mean by that? Yeah,
1: that's 100% what I mean. So uh, Mm. even like working here, like I wear, I have a jacket on today, but... You can see my emotions on my sleeve.
0: Yeah, and muscles, Mm -hmm. by the way. I wear.
1: (laughs) I (laughs) am trying to keep up with Vance. (laughs) I I wear everything on my sleeve. I don't. I can never hide my where I am at emotionally, and that's not just here, but that's out in my community, in the life as in my life as well. Yes, mm sir. Right. So, mad, glad, sad, happy, or whatever, you are going to know. So that being said, and and piggyback on what Buddha just said. I put my I put I take my jobs I don't care what my job is, my job I take it very seriously, right mm-hmm. uh, I'm there I, I, I agreed to do a job for a reason. I'm not going to half ass it I'm going to mm-hmm. do it to the best of my abilities, yeah with what I feel they want me to do with it, right
0: mm-hmm.
1: So when policies and procedures are in place, I read the policies and procedures, and then I, I act out on that, trying to instill a positive. But it could be perceived as a negative, mm-hmm. meaning it could be perceived as an aggressive behavior or an aggressive tone, mm-hmm. an angry tone. I'm, I'm loud as it is, I have my he- hearing's <laughs> not the greatest, but and i have these eyebrows that kind of go up so it looks like i'm angry all the time right See?
4: and for me like i i don't think that about you at all and like for me you were the first person i met at campus which was actually pretty cool uh, we had to get some photos yeah. then and you were you know kind of not my bodyguard but like helping me know the, the lay around. of the land yeah. and and i saw clients respecting your authority because of the way that you carry yourself and yeah. i think that that takes a very special person to be able to hold authority while also being approachable and being, you know, kind while you're doing it. And so like, I think that the way that you go into your job translates to our clients and, you know, it may not work for every client, but the ones that are here that want to put in the work, I think that they probably look to you as a mentor to instill and learn some of these Ways that we can change.
1: Yeah, you know, and I and I I learn way more than probably what they can learn from me. I learn way more from the clients.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, hands down. Right? They've been through the fires. Right? They've been through the torments, the the traumas.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I honestly might have trauma in my life. I don't. I just haven't found it yet. I don't know. Yeah. Right from my history, mm-hmm. I haven't pursued that. I don't know why I'm. At, I feel insecure. I don't know why I feel. Uh, unsure of myself or or whatever it is right Mm
3: -hmm.
1: you know maybe there was something who knows Mm -hmm. but but there's so much ability to learn here there's so many people teaching here that they don't even realize it Mm -hmm. you know so yeah it's 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 good yeah really good
4: but it, it was just it's just a really cool thing and like I mean even when I came here that day you know kind of touching on what you said that coming here changed your perspective a little bit like when I was driving down, I was so nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, all these people are probably so miserable. And like, you're at rock bottom, but really rock bottom is right before you get here. Yeah, Here, it, once you get to here and you're in the arc and you have those people around you and you have your therapist and you have your groups, everyone was so happy. And I was like, so shocked by yeah. that. And that was, you know, me being naive and not really knowing what to expect and having this Preconceived idea, but it was. I left feeling like, wow, this is so amazing because everybody is so happy. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they've overcome their detox and they've overcome, you know, some of the more miserable parts of it.
1: Yeah, and and just shout out to our owner Mike Z. I mean, look what shout he look at Mike. the environment that he mm-hmm. pr- promotes for our clients. Right?
4: Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's for you, Mike. You I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, look at this place.
4: Mm-hmm. It's know. a place where you can come and and you can be yourself, and when you feel okay to be yourself, you can also be okay to be happy. You aren't stuck in that, you know, fear or that you're not safe. You can feel all your emotions. And even though you're walking through some probably very hard things and working through traumas and stuff, which is not easy to do, or even to recognize that you've been through it, you know, like, you're saying that you probably don't know if you've been through some. And I just sat through a therapy session where she asked me at the end, Have you been through trauma? And I was like, Nope. And she's like, This whole call has been about trauma. And I was like, Well, shoot.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yep. it's,
4: it's so true. It's, it's hard, but when you're in an environment to feel safe and what he's created here, it is. It's, it's, yeah.
1: Really I, th- I think one of the things I tell the clients when they come through those front lobby doors every time is you're in a safe environment. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. And so many of us come from the streets or in a life. Whether we we were just incarcerated, we were in county, you know, a hostile home environment. Mm -hmm. We're out on the streets just in the cold, miserable weather, Mm -hmm. you know, always looking over your shoulders, right, waiting for that next bad thing. To ensure them that they are in a safe environment here, Mm
3: -hmm. I think it's
1: it's a it's a beginning of a huge step for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They you know, could just kind of
0: exhale and relax, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And so like I mean, kind of going back thinking about that question, what are what are some of the key differences that you've noticed working here versus working as a corrections officer?
1: Yeah. So when when I first started here, I, I came in as a security one of the security members of a like a five person security team, That's right? Right.
0: I remember that.
1: Right. We had we worked from six PM to six AM. Let me just do a little thing here real quick. I started Thanksgiving night, uh-huh. 2018, December 26. One month later, I just worked Christmas night shift. Uh-huh. I get a phone call from our man, Victor, maintenance facilities <laughs> manager, laying me off, right? Oh, man. The day after Christmas. So I was there for one month, right? Or I was here for one month. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was security. So my mindset was still black and white security. Yes, no, this is where you're supposed to be. That's not where you're supposed to be. Are you here? Yes, check. Boom. So then he calls me up at 7.30 in the morning. I'm still asleep. And uh, he's like, I'm sorry to wake you up, blah, blah, blah. But they have decided to disband and let go of the security team. I said, okay, thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity. And uh, he said, but... We have an opportunity if you're interested in possibly staying on and becoming a BHT, PRN, you know, part-time, learning, love to. And here's why. Here's why I said love to. I wasn't angry. I wasn't anything, right? Mm-hmm. First of all, I was sleepy. But, but, <laughs> but second of all, if, you go, if you're ever at the Arizona Rehab Campus, if you haven't been here before, if you go into the lobby and you'll look at the literature that's on the walls, the little plaques, The little decor that they have hanging up in the lobby, there's a lot of good positive words and Mm -hmm. a lot of good sayings up here. And that's what I instantly felt when I came onto this campus was the energy, right? Yeah. Why would I want to leave a positive energy environment? Mm -hmm. I wanted to... I'm going to take what they have to offer me and take it and like Vance here, run it as far as I can. Hold on to that ball, and run with it as far as I can, right? Mm -hmm. Because I feel... And we're going to piggyback on this. I'm sure we'll talk about this later. But I I was here for a reason. I was yes, put sir. here for a reason, right? Yes, sir. I mm-hmm. came through those doors for an interview
0: for a reason.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not going to
0: give up on that.
4: Well, and sometimes when God closes the door, he opens the window. A- so, like, a- maybe a- that amen. was your window. Right. You know? He
0: literally did that. Hey, sorry, you know, but- the whole security team is going <laughs> yeah. to be going away, but we'd still like for you to and be here. you look better in blue anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> man did, did you have any... Um, were, were you like completely excited to be a BHT or was there any type of nerves? Because I know, and it I'm sure you knew it was different, you know?
1: Yeah, I knew it would be different. I didn't really know exactly what all the hats were that you have to wear as a BHT here at the Arizona Rehab Campus. I just knew it was an opportunity for me to learn something, maybe a new uh, career direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew it would be similar to like corrections type of duty uh-huh. in the sense that, okay, this is... We have these policies in place. I can follow policy. I can read fairly well, and we can follow that. But then the nurturing of the mind and the nurturing of your of, of of the progression of learning the actual all the aspects of a BHT, which I'm still tapping into. I wasn't ready for that, right? Yeah, I'm still stuck in my muck and mire, black and white <laughs> ways, right? Yep, I hadn't quite captured the gray yet. So I, I knew it was an opportunity. So that's why I chose. I took it. Right? Mm-hmm.
0: So you started as a behavioral health tech. I mean, who who was who was like the lead BHT at that time? I'm sure he was a really handsome man, right? <laughs> well,
1: I'm like, oh my goodness, I knew this was coming. It was about me. Now I'm switching to Buddha.
0: <laughs> I love you, bro. I love had you to too, say. man.
1: Yeah, Buddha was uh, a lead BHT, right? And and you guys know Buddha. Mm-hmm. I mean, in in a in a in a really nice friend coworker way. Buddha is my friend. Down. He was at my wedding, mm-hmm. right? Yes,
0: sir. Really? Yeah. He was
1: at my wedding. He played the music. He was there. He and his beautiful wife. Thank you. Yeah, man. So that was a blessing to have Buddha there. So he is my friend. He's progressed, through, obviously, up and through this company. He's done amazing. He's doing amazing things for the Arizona Rehab Campus, so that's
0: awesome. Thank so, you. Well. I appreciate it. Uh,
1: yeah, and kudos to you,
0: buddy. Right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the reason why I wanted to bring up the fact that you and I work together, man, is because, you know, we talked about this. Sometimes... You know, you go through life and you pick your occupations, right? You go to school, maybe you want to be a doctor, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think God puts you on that path. You know, I, I know he does, as a matter of fact. But I think sometimes God directly puts you in positions that he wants you to be. Amen. You know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, I do remember when you first started, you know, it's it was the same thing. I met you as a security officer yeah. for the first time around Christmas time, and I just remember introducing myself and your energy, you know, just like you said, always wearing your heart on your sleeve, your emotions. And I know from experience, whenever Kevin's mad, I know whenever <laughs> Kevin's happy, whenever I just got to walk away from him, you know, being down in the trenches with this dude. And it, it, it's been an honor to work with you, man. So yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Um, what have you learned about yourself now that you've started working here? Yeah, man. That's that. I think this may sound a little
1: self centered or selfish, but man, every day I work here, uh, every day I'm blessed to have a, to work here is uh, learning another day to learn, mm-hmm. right? Hmm. Another opportunity to learn. Yeah. There's not. I, I'll touch on that, but I just want to say this real quick before huh? I forget. There's not a night that I drive home from a shift that I don't reflect. Mm-hmm. How could I have talked to that person better? What, could, what words could I have used that would have made it better for that person to hear me? Or not to hear me like I'm telling them to do something, but just to use it as a so that he or she were on the same place as far as getting to a better place, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- that kind of stuff. So what I've learned since I've been here is that, wow, I don't know Jack Diddley. <laughs> right? I don't know Jack Diddley, but if you become more human mm-hmm. and less robotic— which I used to be called RoboCop at the prison and all that stuff, and sweatsuit. Wow. One of my nicknames was sweatsuit. I love that one because <laughs> I sweated everything. <laughs> that's funny. You know, I had to accept that. It was all good. But becoming a more a more uh, becoming who I am, which is a human being created by God, right? Yes, sir. So I've, I've been given all the tools. I have all the tools to be a good nurturing man, uh, and that's my goal is to become a, a, a continue to become a good nurturing man, mm-hmm. and to and to promote positive energy with the clients right totally. and learning that oh it's not as easy as just putting that bottle of beer down or that that mm-hmm. pipe down it takes a, there's a lot more work involved
3: mm-hmm. right
1: there's a lot more things in there that i can ever uh maybe help this person with but if i can help ease some pain or uh, answer some questions or and they answer my questions they ease my pain as well right it's, mm-hmm. it's like tit for tat. It's like a a tennis match because I learned just as much here from a client as maybe they could maybe from my experiences, right?
3: Mm -hmm.
1: I learned that. I've learned that it it isn't as easy as just saying no. Mm -hmm. I've learned that their mindset, I have to remember where their mindset may be with however long they've been addicted to some substance, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe their brain or their mind isn't up to where I feel that they would be just looking at them as a physical person, Right. So I've had to be taught and have to be retaught that not everyone here is going to be on the same wavelength or the same mindset as myself, uh, or some of them are surpassing me, right? Probably a lot of them are surpassing my mindset, but that everyone is individual, right? We're all all individual. We may look similar, right? But we don't, we're all individual thinking, all individual moving, mm-hmm.
3: uh,
1: and how what makes this person grow, and what makes this person understand or promote themselves more, or th- other than this one won't. What well, this this blue box over here isn't going to work for this red box over here. They're mm-hmm. not the same, right? They're different. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I've learned that each incident, each situation is is individual, mm-hmm.
3: right?
1: Yeah. And and that they just want help, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And, and again, we've, everyone in this room, all four of us, have been blessed with uh, an employment here to be a part of helping somebody. Yeah. And I feel like I'm being helped as well, learning about uh, attachment styles, learning about love languages, uh, learning about uh, just things like that that I never felt was an important need to, need to know as a man, number one, but then also need to promote to someone else, number two love languages. Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. Attachment styles. What the hell? Right? Yeah. <laughs> love uh, languages. Vance and I, like, we had a similar, like, we'll just go to the next, right? Yeah. Just promote, go to the next.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And love languages was a book I finished in like one day. I could yeah. not set it down. And so for that Christmas that year, I gave everyone in my family, like the love languages for dad, love languages yeah. for mom. My dad sat on his nightstand upside down for a year. And I was like, no, you haven't read that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Has not moved? But it's yeah. like it's not something that like really is that interesting to you know many men and women out there. And like when you can understand, I love love the love languages book because it it goes back. There's so many biblical principles right. to why. So that's why I like have deep dive studied it. But it's like people don't feel up the same. And when you look at it that way, people are also aren't going to heal the same. Right, like true. it just opens your doors to remembering what you said of every single person that comes here is going to go through their healing process differently. And like, yeah. you know, for one person, they may need to cry it out. Another person may not cry it all the whole time that they're here and that's okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I that goes back to like, it's. I always thought, well, they, everyone must feel like I do because if I feel this way, why? Obviously, Vance feels the same way I do. Yeah. Like you feel the same way because I know I do that. Mm-hmm. So, why? I know you feel that way. Yeah. Right. And then the love languages thing has really taught me that no, that's totally just mm-hmm. not even true. Right. right. Yeah. Right. So, nobody feels like I do but me.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We might
1: have similarities, but I'm not going to put mine on you uh-huh. and mm-hmm. mine on you right. because. We're different, yes. Mm -hmm. So that helps me promote in the as an employee here with the clients who are hurting and are are troubled and are have been through some really horrendous things in their lives that I couldn't even begin to fathom, nor do I want to, right? But at least I can get on a place where I can treat each individual, each client individually, yeah, Mm -hmm. and talk to them as individuals, right? Like you said. Some people are okay with me to pat them on the back, right? Physical Mm -hmm. touch them, right? Where others, I always ask first, is it okay if I touch you? Because I'm a touch, mine is physical touch is my number one love language. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So mine, I always want to like pat a man on the back or or just to let him know, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And but I always ask first because I don't want to be punched in the face. (laughs) So, you know, it's 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 cool, man. It's cool. I've I've learned that not everyone's like me. I can't believe that. Not everyone's like me.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's true. You know? It's true. And, you know, um, going into that, you know, talking about it, it's it's amazing. And Michaela said this before. You know, this podcast is not only for those in recovery, but it's for family members. It's for people... Anybody that, even if you don't have any type of addiction in your family, because, you know, when we think of addictions, we tend to focus solely on drugs, Mm -hmm. narcotics, Mm -hmm. alcohol, you know. But like you said, for you, one of your addictions that you've learned was about shopping, right? Uh, uh, Others of us, we suffer from, you know, things that you wouldn't even necessarily consider as an addiction. Pride, you know, being Mm -hmm. angry, self-sabotaging, negative self-talk, sex addictions, you know. And so... To me, there's always something that we could learn because another thing Michaela said hurts, habits, hangups, we all have it, and we all have it in different ways and different forms and that's what makes us, even though we're different, that's what makes us the same and allows us to be human beings and be able to help
1: yeah man, my just listening to you talk, I was like, realize my addiction is my addiction to naiveness to addiction
0: right? <laughs> there you go
1: yeah, that twenty seven times right I know. <laughs> naiveness to addiction, addictive. Addiction is my na- it, in, naiveness, right? Yeah. Not knowing yeah, and thinking I know. Mm-hmm. How can I help these ladies and gentlemen when I don't even know anything about it, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I've learned to not pretend to know. I just mm-hmm. talk to them as best I can as what I can. Understand and what I've been taught through Buddha, you know yourself, uh, amazing coworkers, and um, and amazing clients and, mm-hmm. and and administration. Right? Yeah. Everyone's held my hand. I've been here four years by the grace of God. I'm still mm-hmm. here.
4: That's well, awesome. but having that mindset of you know, hey, and being to me, this shows a security, being secure enough in who you are to just tell a client, you know what, I don't know the answer to this, or I've never experienced this. Like, let's walk through this one together, and then mm-hmm. it's like joining them. For the next part of their journey, and being that per like that presents an opportunity to not only to you to grow, but also to maybe maybe God put you for this client because right. they need somebody to walk with them through it. Yeah. You know? Maybe
1: they put that client here for me, mm-hmm. 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 right? Yeah, that's awesome. I had a, I had a if I can real quick, I had a, a conversation a couple of years ago with a young man on the men's side of residential. He can he can he talked to me about something that was very private. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he had said he had never talked to anyone about, right? <laughs> Lo and behold, I had had a similar situation in my childhood, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And he goes, thank you for talking to me. I said, well, oh. hold on a minute. I said, who's to say God didn't put you there for me mm-hmm. so that I can talk about it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it, we allowed, it allowed both of us to talk about something that maybe felt uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. But we found each other some weird way walking down the hallway, and he felt an a, a okayness, and a connection with me to speak to me about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And then in turn, uh, I loosened up my bell strings, and I was able to allow allow myself to talk to him about it, mm-hmm. you know, in general senses, not deep. deep. Yeah. And neither was his. It was just a general topic sense.
2: But it was just a, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. You validated two Bible verses just right. now, what you just now said, because the Bible says, be slow to speak. So that meant you were listening to that young man and mm-hmm. quick to hear. And then the next thing you did was you sharpened iron because it says iron sharpens iron. iron. Amen, Amen, man. It was all for a purpose. Mr.
1: Vance, that's going to be my New Year's resolution. Slow to speak, quick to, quick to no, quick to listen. No, yeah, what? Quick yeah, to listen, you guys, slow to speak, slow to anger. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that's what it gave me be my 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 goal this year. Yes. Mm-hmm. And
2: by the way, I was being slow to speak. That's why I was listening to all three of you guys.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know I tend to babble around, so I apologize. Oh, don't apologize. <laughs> I'm not in Babylon. I got one oh, more okay. verse for you
2: because this is when I got clean. When I start realizing that I needed to just not keep looking, and I, you kind of validated it too when you are saying that you don't just have to have an addiction. You spoke at first Buddha, about you know alcohol or drugs or certain things. It could be anything, just like Mm -hmm. you said. And even the scripture says in 1 John 2.15, it says here, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Amen. Mm -hmm. So that means anything that we seek in this world, we could be addicted to.
0: Amen. Yes. To all the listeners out there, guys, I am so sorry that I have to do this to you, but we're going to cut this podcast right here. Please don't be upset. Don't be mad. I want you guys to come back next week and join us in this conversation as we dive deeper and talking about faith and spiritual growth. And thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. It says, Matthew 18, verse 20, for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. It's a beautiful thing. We're all about helping each other grow. We're so grateful and thankful for you guys being a part of it with us. Shout out to my brother, Kevin, for coming through and sharing his testimony. I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week. Be safe out there. Much love. God bless. Peace. What's going on, everybody? This is Buddha from the RCast, and I just wanted to thank you for checking out this week's episode. It means a lot, and if you could share it with a friend or a loved one, somebody you need in recovery, or maybe somebody who just needs that little bit of extra positivity in their life, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you would like to join us here on the Rcast either in the studio live or online, hit us up. The links are down in the show notes of this episode, and on there, you can find direct links to our main website here at America's Rehab Campus and all of our social media platforms. Follow us. We keep the posts positive and motivational, focused on recovery, health, and wellness. As you know, in this modern day and age, we need as much love as possible, y'all. And as always, if you or somebody you know is in need of substance abuse treatment, please don't hesitate to give us a call. We're open 24 hours a day, and our direct phone number is one 272 7342 Once again, that phone number is one 272 7342 I hope you all have a beautiful rest of your day. Much love, and God bless. Peace.